Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Of this place, 
We thank you so much. We thank you wherever we go, Father. We're redeeming the land. We're redeeming territory. We're redeeming things. We just thank you, Father, on our streets, wherever we go, wherever we're being moved to. We thank you for moving us around. It's a good thing to give thanks to you for refining us as we move deeper into our inheritance. And we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us and leading us and guiding us to new great places of strength and goodness. So the word is redemption. And I want you to start thinking this month and stay focused to get all the way through November, through the Christmas season, into what is your redemption. Ask yourself, what does it mean? What is redemption to me? What is it to you? What is it God wants to redeem in your soul? What is it he wants to redeem in your life? What is it he wants to redeem through your, where you live, your family, your lives, your cities, your areas? You know, for me, I can only honestly say I have a passion, a lifelong passion to see the music business redeemed. I've just always had it. I had it from the moment I was born again in 1978. And it was just something inside me because I heard the Lord say, you're going to see more in your day in London than you ever saw. And I laughed. And I was like, what? Come on. You know, I came out of the office working for the Beatles and every billboard, every taxi, everything, everywhere was their music, everything was permeated with what the Beatlemania, that was an era that marked my life and turned me and, and I began to understand redemption. So the first thing we want to look at is God has a plan of redemption and he is the redeemer. But as we, re- as we read down, let's first read Colossians 1 because we are going to continually give thanks for him. Now look at verse 4. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. The leaning of your... This is the Amplified Version. Rod and I, we like... We kind of grew up on the Amplified Version. So if you can put it up there, Colossians 1. Verse 4. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. The leaning of your entire human personality on him. In absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom and goodness... And of the love which you have and show for all the saints, God's consecrated ones. Verse 5. Because of the hope of experiencing what is laid up, reserved and waiting for you in heaven. My core value is honouring heaven. And Andrew helped me find out and discover who I am. So it unlocks something on a very deep level in me. And as we've done that, and as I've learned, he's one of the trustees of the Prayer Foundation, I have learned to understand who people are at a core level. So that's why we see Authentic Lives two or three times a year. Are we having a problem putting the Bible up here? Okay, I forgive you, because I have to, because I told you all last month. (laughs) But hey, I just want to make one thing clear. Yeah, because you've been really reminding me. Did you like the way I used that word? Reminding me that you are forgiven. I said, yeah, God has forgiven you for the rest of your life, and um, he's working on me. Okay? Yeah. 
Yeah, you are forgiven. And God's working on me. So get back to the message. Sorry, it's just a personal thing here. There's, there's more, but I, I dare now. <laughs> okay, so you're going to talk about leaning your entire personality. Now, I'm talking about the dark times right now. Because it's easy when it's light and it's easy. But I'm talking about when it's tough and you have to remind yourself to lean your entire personality. You may have a bubbly personality. You may have a shallow personality. You may have a deep personality. Whatever. Actually, God just loves you. He loves it all. So it's all okay. You know, if if you're more serious or you're more frivolous, it's all okay. But just the leaning of your entire personality on Christ Jesus in absolute trust, confidence in his power, wisdom and goodness. Listen, I have and I am doing this daily. Okay? Thank you. (laughs) We love you, Jean. Okay, so verse 5. Because of the hope of experiencing what is laid up, reserved and waiting for you in heaven of this hope you have heard in the past in the message of the truth of the gospel. Verse 6, which has come to you. Indeed, in the whole world, that gospel is bearing fruit, still is growing by its inherent power, even as it has done among yourselves, ever since the day you first heard and came to know and understand the grace of God in truth. You came to know the grace or undeserved favor of God in reality, Deeply and clearly and thoroughly becoming accurately and intimately acquainted with it. Verse 7. You so learned it from Ephraim, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ in our stead and as our representative in yours. Verse 8. And also he has informed us of your love in the Holy Spirit. So I just want to put a marker there. It is the Holy Spirit that helps you love others. It is the Holy Spirit that gives you the grace to let the release of the Holy Ghost, the joy, the love, the peace, the righteousness, all the good things that he brings from heaven, that he will direct you, he will order you. So now here comes Colossians 1, 9 through 14, which Billy just drummed into me. And so this was like the first passage that I learned. It was kind of written on my heart. It says in the Amplified, For this reason, we also from the day we heard of it have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things. So that's like your confession, if you like, for this month. That you, or you can say I, may walk, live and conduct myself, because you can personalize this as you make it your prayer. That I might walk, live and conduct myself in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God. This is what I'm doing every day. I am walking and living, fully pleasing to God, 
That's what I'm doing. That's what we have to make it, if you like, our anchor in the storms of life. That I'm being fully pleasing to God. And there are many situations in life that come that you actually, you know, have to make a decision. I'm not going to carry any bitterness in my heart towards anyone about anything. Because God, God's that way. And we're becoming Christ-like. We are a very unique church with a very definite purpose from heaven and a part to fill. We're a jigsaw piece, if you like, and we fit into the church in London and the church in the UK. And there's no question the American believers are beginning to look towards Europe with a new focus. I mean, I found it personally amazing that we were in Oregon and then we were in Florida the night of the actual election in the USA. And we stayed up and we watched a bit of it. But, you know, God had told me about a year and a half ago to start praying for Donald Trump. And I didn't really think much about it. I just kind of told a few people and started praying. And the closer we got to the election, I had this knowing deep inside. He was going to be the voice to lead America. And that he had to be the boy. He had a strong boy. He's a strong leader. It, need, it was going to take strong leadership to bring the nation that we look to for strength, for hope. Amen? So I'm not getting political with you. I didn't tell people how to vote or pray or do any of that stuff. But I'm just saying God wants us to become a knowing people. That we are filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of his will, walking worthily before him, being fruitful in every good work. He doesn't want you floundering around. He doesn't want you being knocked to and fro when stuff happens. Because we move to this church and we go to that place and we go to this venue and we're possessing the land and we're going after things. He just wants you to be so secure in him. If planes don't leave on time or buses or trains or taxis or people get promoted and go on before us, that we, things happen that we weren't expecting. He wants us to be so secure in him that whatever happens, we adjust and we say, okay, I'm up for it. I hadn't planned on being in that position. Some people are very positional, okay? There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that's where they're at. I am one who believes our position must be really close to God. And Rod and I believe in the Word, and we love the Word, and we both love to study, and we like to share scriptures. Hey, what about this one? What about that one? And so when you look down at who God is, and you, be, you come down, I think I read verse 10. Yeah, I did. Now let's go to verse 11. We pray that you may be invigorated and strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory to exercise every kind of endurance and patience, perseverance, forbearance with joy. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> with joy. Verse 12. <coughs> I feel quite dehydrated and dry. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people, in the light. We just left Florida on Thursday, I guess, and Alicia, our daughter-in-law, she has a 
She has a thing outside. They put a swimming pool in out in the back garden, and it was ice cubes. I was going to really swim. I just could see myself swimming. Then I put my foot, and I went, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm not going in there. It was so cold. And they were like, oh, it's 70. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's way too cold. The, the air was 70, but the pool was like ice. But anyway, Alicia has a sign-up in this kind of thing with, uh, what do you call that thing, a pagoda? I don't know what they call it. A pagoda. Anyway, they had a thing outside that I went and I fell asleep as soon as I laid down in it with kind of wood going across it. And she has a sign on the back and it says it's time to shine. And I thought, oh, I love Lish the dish. <laughs> time to shine. Okay. And the Lord spoke to me immediately and he said, yeah, but you don't need to shine in the light. You need to shine in the darkness. And he immediately started talking to me about Europe and about our nation. And about the need for us to shine. The need for us to be a people who are not vague or thoughtless or foolish concerning his will. Who actually understand what it means to walk worthily before him. And to have like an anchor, if you like, in your soul. That says, I'm actually filled with the full, deep and clear knowledge of God's will. I know God's got some mighty things ahead. I know they're good. I know I must be patient and endure and persevere and press in. I know I mustn't think about the past. I mustn't look at myself as a natural individual. I must look at myself as a spirit being. And I must understand that the Father who loves me, who handpicked me, who chose me, actually is the Father of all redemption. Oh my gosh, think about it. Back up for a minute and look at your life. He is the Redeemer. Look what it says down here, verse 13. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. 14. In whom we have our redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness of our sins. That is a phenomenal thing. I want you just to uh, turn with me to Galatians 3.13. You know, it's a done deal, your redemption. It is a done deal. Sometimes I think we wish we could be free from sin and its consequences. But actually, according to this verse, we are free. Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse, the doom of the law, and its condemnation by himself becoming a curse for us. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, is crucified. So you have to kind of back up for a minute and think about it. Now listen, I was reading in my devotion Bible from Rick Renner, and he tells a little story, and I think I've told you this story before, but I'm going to tell it to you again, because it's kind of a good goat story. He says, a friend of mine had a goat that he dearly loved. And very late one night, he received a telephone call from the local police who informed him that his goat had wandered away from home and had been hit by a car and now lay dead in a ditch by the side of the road. I've other goat stories about this one. It's like, ugh. He was grieved and brokenhearted, but he knew he needed to retrieve the dead goat. When he approached the ditch where the goat lay, he saw the goat was very much alive. Its legs were bound with rope. 
which let his friend know that someone had kidnapped the goat and then dumped it in the ditch by the side of the road. Jubilantly, he leapt into the bottom of the ditch, pulled out his pocket knife, cut the ropes, slapped the goat on its backside and said, Get up! But the goat just lay there with its legs still clinging to each other as if they were still bound with rope. He hit the goat a second time and then a third time and he yelled, Finally, Get up! I mean, hey, I love Eastern Europe, Ghost, you know I do. But when we went there, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and it was like everybody was dancing. We went with Steve Ingram. People were, like, being invited out. But they were all, like, stiff. And I said, what's happening, Lord? And the Lord said, the prison doors are open, but they're still in prison. Some of you might be imprisoned in your mind. Okay? You're all a bit quiet this morning, or maybe it's just a culture shock from... America to here. I think I think we have to remember that, you know. But in other words, the goat was free, but it didn't know it. So Rick Renner's friend jumped down, pulled apart the goat's leg, then he lifted it up and set it on its feet. And only then did the goat realise it wasn't bound anymore. You know. I think when we went to the States and you came, that's like my special place. It was kind of, God's really dealing with me about stretching my heart and being more generous and, you know, sharing more and giving more and just not being owning things and territorial and being kind of like in charge, if you like. Because he's always allowed me to be responsible for more than I really should have been at my age. But um, I began to realize you see, we don't need to get free. We are free. We don't have to get somewhere. I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to achieve anything. You are who God made you to be, and you are free in that. And it was interesting because while we were in Florida, I just was doing some stuff on the computer. You try not to do too much admin work when you're away, but I did. And Reinhard Bonke had left a message, and it said, I have been bought and paid by the blood of Jesus Christ, Son of our living, most high God. And I began to think about what Jesus had done for us, you know, and how we hammer, hammer, hammer home that really the, the bonds of slavery have been broken. And I'm going to tell you another story in a minute about slavery, but, but we, have been, we have been redeemed. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Okay, now you say amen, and it's like, you know, your dark times come, but I, I want to say something about this word here, um, because I was looking up in the Greek in the last few days. The word redeem that Paul uses in this verse is derived from the Greek word exagorizo. And it's a compound of the words ex and agodizo. Okay? And what it means is out, ex, out. And the word agorizo was the Greek word most notably used to describe the slave market. A disgusting place where human beings were brought, sold, and traded like animals. Now you have to understand something here. When these two words are used together, okay, it's very powerful because it talks about the man who went down and picked out the slave he wanted so he could be set free. And he was set free. Permanent removal from captivity. So wherever you've come from, 
you know, because they say people who've been in prison and people who've done things like that, they, sometimes it's still alive in their minds. And there's nothing wrong with where we're at because we're all at different places. But when the fullness of time has come and we're in that time, we're in a time when we are alive in the days of our flesh, okay? And we're beginning to get started in a new beginning. We're all moving into this new beginning. We're all in this new season. This new season is what? The year of the sword. It's a new time. It's a time to express ourselves in God and to understand we are forever removed from the curse of the sin because Jesus was crucified on that cross for us. And I think, you know, we say on our website, CCF is a great church, it's a great people, a great destiny, you know. But we have to ask ourselves as individuals, are we filled with a full, deep and clear knowledge of his will? Does that confusion come in a little bit? Do you know who you are? Are you totally, yes, I know who I am in Christ. I know what my job has to do. It doesn't make any difference wherever I am or wherever I go. I'm a purchased possession. I'm brought out of bondage. I'm brought out of bondage. I'm not in bondage. I'm brought out of it. And I do thank the Lord for it. I do thank the Lord for it. So I just, I want to say, when we, when we talk about the Lord as our Redeemer, let's go to some other scriptures for a minute. I want to actually finish with that. I've got, I mean, you know how you get in the Word and you have such a fun time in the Word? You start, I start putting things in my Bible. I think, oh, I'll share that one with them. I'll share it with Rod if he has time. Hallelujah. Now, turn with me to Psalm 8, 6 for a minute. And here's, here's a verse that will help us. Psalm 8, verse 6. It says, You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. I've got to have a swig of water here. I do really good outside in fresh air. I don't like being cooped up in planes, hotels. I don't mind travelling, but... So, we're talking about the plan of redemption. God has a plan for your life, and it's bigger than just you. He's not only just redeeming you from the dark places you've been in. He's redeeming everything, everybody, everyone, everything, every, every influential thing, everything. God's a redeemer. He doesn't do things small-minded. He he, God's big. He does big stuff. To me, I feel personally he's redeeming the whole world day by day. And people are being positioned in places of authority where they can bring the influence of heaven. Whether we understand it, we're called to lean not to our own understanding. We're called to acknowledge God. We're called to lean our entire personality on him. I I know the other night it was just like, you know what? Where do I have peace? I'm going to go to bed now. I know this is a done deal. Redemption is a done deal. God has a plan where you're going to live, 
who you're going to be working with, who you're going to be helping, serve, and support. God has a plan. And you don't have to be vague or thoughtless concerning it. You can use Colossians 1, 9 through 14. In fact, when I went to work for Billy, I thought God was calling me to work for Vicky because she just had this huge Benny Hinn kind of times 10 anointing. And I thought it would be so great to just be around that anointing. And yet, Billy was hard-nosed, and she was so on the word, the word, the word. She had the word coming up out of her, and she would pray it. And she would write on people who sent her money. She'd write Luke 6.38. And, and there were certain things that she did that I learned. Oh, my gosh, this woman knows the word. And when I'm not saying know the spirit and don't know the word. I'm saying you must know both. You must know not to just have a lot of chitter-chatter in prayer. You must know what God is saying. Because God doesn't always tell you everything. He just kind of puts somebody on your heart to start praying for. And then you start praying for him or her. And then you find out a little bit more. And he trusts you with a little bit more. There are some things that I have on my heart in prayer. I can't share it with everyone. You can't share your stuff with me. You can't share it all. It's not going to impress me, and I'm not going to impress you. It's between me and God. And when it comes down to it, as God's child, as a person who is redeemed, and I'm part of this incredible refining process that's going on really throughout the whole earth. You're being refined. You're being refined. You're being refined. You just tell yourself, I'm being refined. I'm being filled with God's will. Okay, I've got Colossians 1, 9 through 14. I'm here because God wants me to have dominion over the works of my hands. So what is it you do? You know, I really thank God for you, Debbie, because we had a hard time in Bakersfield. I found it quite hard to pull all this stuff out of storage and I hurt my back and we lifted stuff out. And I'd seen all these treasures of things, you know, and I consider myself a person free from all that, but... Apparently not as much as I thought. And so Deb sends this email, oh, don't worry about it. All your stuff's anointed, and wherever it goes, it'll be anointed. And I literally, at the garage sale of all of our stuff from our house, watched things that I love and care about just go out, you know, for, as oh, such a small percentage of what was paid for them. And I say that to say this, you know, I wonder what Jesus thinks when... He's paid such a price for us. He's been like this person who's been down in the slave market where we live down here, you know, in the earth realm. And I really encourage you not to live in the earth realm according to what your head tells you, but to live above it, to live in the anointing, to live in the presence, to be a person who positively confesses the word. To be a person who's ahead and not the tail, because it's, it's really, really important that we are that kind of a person. So, uh, I don't know, I have tons of notes and things, but I just want to say, has the, has the lover of your soul been down in the marketplace and picked you out? Has he been down there and paid the price? Yes, he has. He has. 
Has he equipped you in your soulish realm to not keep trying to get victory, not keep trying to be the head and not the tail, not keep endeavouring to be something or get somewhere, but just to actually grasp the fact that you are the redeemed of the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let's just take a step as we move into this new place in the spirit, as we move into this new, whole new season, that we are the redeemed of the Lord. I love, I was looking up while we were, I don't know, you were giving the announcements or something. I was looking up here in Matthew 28, in verse 18, where Jesus approached and breaking the silence, he said to them, he said to what? The disciples. He's broken the silence. He said, all authority, all power of rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go then and make disciples of all the nations. Do you ever think, how, how on earth can I disciple a whole nation? I think about it once in a while, I think, well, we can write songs, we can sing songs, we can stream it on the web, we can start becoming a force, a tribe in London, because we've started connecting with the tribe in California, we can start being people of the spirit, we can start engaging in the world of technology, we can not get hung up about some of the issues that we have to deal with here, because I know they're not perfect, I know it's not perfect, but hey... Jesus is redeeming things for us, with us. As we gain ground here, then we gain ground there. See? So, what am I saying? I'm saying that we're in love with a redeemer. We're in love with the one who is redemption. There is no redemption outside of Jesus. There is no life outside of him. He is the living word. You're never going to get beyond what you do daily. No matter how much we pour out teachings from the pulpit, the bottom line is how you walk out your life day by day, how you live your life at home, how you really are. You're never going to get beyond that because it's you and God. It's your relationship with the Lord. And he says in verse 20, I'm teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Behold, I am with you all the days, perpetually, uniformly, and on every occasion, to the very close and consummation of the age. You know, remind yourself in your difficult times. It's not, we don't mind you ringing us up. We, that's part of who we are. That's what we're called to do. But, I mean, we're pastoring. But I, I just want to say something. Learn to lean upon Jesus. Learn to lean your entire personality on him and say, you've got to help me right now. You've got to help me. You've got to help me engage. You've got to ask him to come help you. You've got to ask God to be your redeemer. I know it doesn't look like the music business is getting very redeemed, but I'm telling you, day by day, little by little, things are changing. Little by little. Do I think the vision of this church is just about music? No, of course not. But I do know that we have a sound that we carry. A sound of victory, a sound of triumphant music, a sound of victory. I know that we have people 
being birthed out of here into their destinies in many different ways, not just authentic lives or WLI or teaching. People have gifts. You all have something on the inside of you, and it's on the inside of you, coming on the outside of you, that you're learning to live. Oh, gosh, help me always to live from the inside out. Huh? Help me to live from the inside out. Because in the inside of me, there's all kinds of dreams and promises and promptings of God to just not be moved by things on the outside. I've been amazed in the last few weeks how we've gone places and we used to have a saying, the camels are coming. And then somebody would say to me, look, my bookends, they're bronze camels. I mean, are you kidding me? What does that mean? It probably means nothing to you. But to me, it meant the camels are coming. The prosperity of God is on us. I always had everything in the future. And when I get here, and when this happens in my life, then I'll be able to do many more things. But actually, the reality is faith is now. Faith is now. And what I have now, and I believe on the inside of me, is what needs to come out in my prayer life, in my expression. I mean, that's what it is. So I was going to read you something from Titus. Titus 2.14. It's about Jesus. Jesus who gave himself on our behalf, that he might redeem us, he might purchase our freedom from all iniquity and purify for himself people to be peculiarly peculiarly his own people who are eager and enthusiastic about living a life that is good and filled with beneficial deeds. What a great verse. What a fabulous verse. I mean, Jesus has actually done that. It's all about Jesus who has redeemed us. I know... um, when I was a single parent, Isaiah 54, 5 says, For your husband is your maker, the Lord of hosts is his, is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of the whole earth. I used, to, I, used to, I used to think about that. I used to be so, in my thinking, in my words, in my purpose, in my heart, it was all about Jesus. And when Rod and I first got married, the first year probably, I began to lean on Rod, because he's my godly husband. He's the one God set. Uh, and then the Lord began to talk to me and say, and said to me, I told you to get your strength from me. So I'm speaking to you single women and newlyweds or planning to be. All of us have to get our strength from the Lord. All right? So the word redeem used in this verse is, is really very interesting. Let me, let me go and tell you this second story a little bit more because I only kind of touched on it. Since Jesus redeemed us, we need to know all the powerful images that are contained in this New Testament word. In New Testament times, now think about it, slaves could be very costly. This is not to put condemnation on you. This is to make you realize you've been bought with a price. When the slave purchaser came to the slave market to look for a new slave, he would meander through the aisles of the marketplace, his eyes roaming. Remember? Remember the verse in Matthew 20, 16? It was one of the, 
one of the things I, I read when I lived in California in the 70s and early 80s. And it says, many are called, but few are chosen. And I thought that was really odd. And I remember looking up in a commentary how the Roman soldiers came out and they looked on the field to see who was doing what. Kind of like we do. We look and we pick out people who are busy doing. They're not asking you. They're not putting it on you. They're, they're themselves doing. And the Roman officers came down onto the field and they saw the people throwing the spears long range. And they saw the people whirling those big round balls with spikes in them and just annihilating people groups, you know, and they saw the champions, the up-and-coming champions, and those were the ones that were chosen. See, so many are called, but few are chosen, but when, when a slave, when a slave purchaser, if you like, came down into the marketplace, he began to pinpoint what it was he wanted, and uh, in the Rick Renner devotion I was reading, it says the inspection included physically beating the slave to see how much he responded to abuse so the purchaser would know how much wear and tear the slave could take on the job. And you see when people come and, and you're like, well, how much pressure can you take? You know, And some people are easily offended and quick to be offended. And that's one of the plumb lines we say in church. It's like, just... Make some boundaries in your life. Make some holy places that you're not going to step over the lines. Are you with me? Good. So the inspection included quite a lot. And if the buyer decided to proceed with the purchase after the inspection was complete, it was then time for the next stage of the process and the slave was put on the auction block. So, you think about the second story. We've seen the goat in the ditch tied up, and the guy didn't know, the, the, the goat didn't know his legs were already free. Now we're looking at the slave. And if the buyer continued to show interest in the same slave, that would let the auctioneer know he could demand a completely unreasonable price and probably get it. All of these images are in this word redemption. Actually, it comes from the Greek word lutru, L-U-T-R-O-O. And once the price was offered and accepted, that slave became the person's personal property. I just pray that you leave today with a new image of becoming the personal slave of the king. He'll never let harm come to you. He'll never let you get bashed or beaten around more than you can handle. He's been down into Satan's slave market because he was looking for you. And he's willing to pay, and he was willing to pay the price, no matter what it was, if it was an extraordinary... He, he you know, if it was outrageous. He was willing. He, he, God would not be satisfied until your purchase was complete. When I lived around the Rolling Stones, I had the same dream every night for I don't know how many weeks. It was this enormous white horse that was as big as high as the ceiling here. And it used to chase me night after night. And I used to 
I love my life in the daytime, the soulish things, but I love my life at night. I used to look forward to going to sleep because I knew I'd just drop off to sleep and I'd go straight back into this dream. This huge white horse would be chasing me. God was chasing me. I don't know if it was my mum or my granny. I don't know who was praying for me, my sister. Someone was seriously praying for me. You see, God is after you. You're not here alone. You're not here abandoned. And, and the fact that Jesus paid the price with his blood, the fact that he wants to redeem, the fact that he trusts us to come here, you know how I have disliked this place and called it the dungeon until God told me, stop it. <laughs> he did. I forget. Last year sometime, he said, call it the basement of blessing. So I'm expecting a blessing here this morning. I'm expecting it to be the easiest transition I'm expecting when we go into the darkness, we shine and we shine and we shine because Jesus paid the price with his blood. Amen? So I'm going to finish. And I'm just going to say this. It was the shedding of Jesus' blood that guaranteed our deliverance and our lasting freedom from demonic powers. So I address this place and the demonic powers that have ruled here. You know what? You're dismissed. It's over. We are the redeemed of the Lord. We are the church of the risen King. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 